Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 202 of Be The Drop, Ben Teo, the Library Lifelong Learning Coordinator at the City of Marion, discusses the need for innovation at every level in business, particularly as we navigate the ever-changing digital landscape. Ben details the importance of digital inclusion and he also reveals his top tip for storytelling with impact to reach and inspire your audience. This is Ben's version of Be The Drop. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. Ben, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. We're here at the Cove Civic Centre down near the water. It's a beautiful location. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And you've got your item of significance. I do. I do. It is actually a little uh, Lego minifigure. So I'll tell you about this guy. So back in, I reckon, 2014 it was, I rediscovered all my old Lego. Like, so mum had it in storage and we got it all out. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool to rebuild all my old sets. But um, I had two young kids at the time and it just wasn't great to have little bits of plastic lying around the house. So I thought I'd do something a bit different. And I started taking photos of this little guy um, around Adelaide, around the CBD. And it was interesting. It was just something creative that I could do. Um, and I started posting photos on Instagram. Um, and it was really inter- interesting to see the response. So we had people from, you know, all over Adelaide following me on Instagram. I had some of my photos posted in the um, City Messenger at the time. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. But what was really cool was that on Instagram, on Facebook, I got to meet a whole bunch of people who are doing similar things with Lego. So whether they're taking photos or building or they're just like rediscovering the hobby. It was fascinating. It was about the same time that the Lego movie came out. So there was this big buzz around Lego and yeah, it was interesting to see that people were rediscovering it all. And at the time, I was, I was also working in social media and doing online communications for an organization. We were also training a lot of businesses and not-for-profit organizations and using it. And it was sort of in that heyday where we were trying really hard to convince people that this was going to be a thing. Like, you need to think about social media. And a lot of the conversation then was about advertising. It's like, how can we take traditional advertising and push it onto social? But what we were trying to encourage people to realize was that the benefit of social media and the internet was really about how people connect and they find these communities and how do you, you know, how do you tap into that and how do you encourage people to have these conversations and build an interest around what you're doing. And I guess, yeah, for me, it was really about Lego, like really experiencing that. And for me, it was great. It was, you know, I got to meet a lot of people from around the world. I've made some good friends who are in Melbourne and there was lots of opportunities. I even got some paid work out of it. So yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my little, my little Lego guy. So he's got, okay, he's got a little camera that he holds. He's got blue pants and he's got a top which is so the picture on his top is from an old space set so you can't even get that anymore so that's back from you know the early 90s that vintage vintage lego so there you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) so many cool things in that story thank you but i like you know that point you made around you know when social media 
started growing and was really becoming a thing. I mean, now it's kind of almost hard to imagine uh, because it, social media is so ingrained in so many layers of our communication and conversations. But that concept that they were trying, you know, there was this idea that we needed to push advertising through social media. Maybe just explain a little bit about why you think that doesn't work and what people are doing that's better. I think, you know, the format of what social media is about. So people in there to connect with other people and then just, I guess, pushing a sales message into that. I guess people aren't really in on social media for that. So. If, if you think about it, you know, people are there, they're interacting with their friends and their family. They're looking at interesting things. They're not there to get a sales message. And so when you do just push like a billboard or approach it as a billboard, people quickly turn off. And this happened quite quickly when it came to internet advertising. So there was a lot of information about, you know, how people started just ignoring the right hand side of their screen altogether because they knew that that's where the ads were. And so when they tracked people's attention on a screen, they noticed that people were just avoiding the ad spaces anyway. So when you're trying to push a traditional ad onto the internet or onto a web page, it actually annoys people. And so now these days, people are using ad blockers on their, on their web browsers. They are scrolling past ads because they're trained to do that. So how do you do that well? I think, you know, you can create conversations around what you're doing, try to actually engage people. I think Lego is actually a pretty cool example where they have groups where they dedicate people to supporting what they call AFOLs or adult fans of Lego. So they actually create these communities and support those communities. But by doing that, um, it's really clever from a marketing perspective or a PR perspective because they now have this engaged group of people who meet regularly, who love Lego, who talk about it. They're the ones who put on the big shows that you see around the cities. Well, you can do shows anymore. With, you're not right now. But you know, they are sort of the lifeblood behind the community. So by supporting those people, you know, they're naturally going to see um, better brand recognition, more sales. You know, they've got you know, focus groups they can talk to about, you know, is this a good product, you know. So it's it's more effort, I think, to try and build real community around a product or um, an idea. But I think the long-term results are going to be better. You're going to have those people who are going to champion you. You know, when you've got a negative review on your Facebook page, the people who come and support you and say, no, this has been my experience or, you know, this is a good brand or a good business, that's where you see some of the benefit of focusing on community rather than just a sales message. Mm, yes, absolutely. And so it is that really long-term approach, isn't it? Yeah, it's not yeah. social media. It isn't just a quick, okay, now I've got a campaign, so I'll be successful. That's right. It is <laughs> effort and it's, you know, just seeing what's going to work and then you are at the whims of whatever Facebook decides to do on that day with the algorithm. But, you know, it, it is effort and it is really about building those connections with people. Yeah. And so another thing you're really passionate about and talk a lot about is digital inclusion. Yeah. And I assume that this is an element of digital inclusion, but can you explain firstly what that means to you? What, what is digital inclusion? Yeah. It is a word that I hear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, digital inclusion. But if we stop and think about it, what does that mean? Yeah, okay. So digital inclusion is all about, I mean, to me it's all about, you know, giving people the opportunity to, you know, reap the benefits of being online. So, you know, we talk about people connecting online and people, you know, finding these communities. It's like, well, you can only do that if you have access to, to the technology or you have the confidence to use the technology. So increasingly seeing more of our services and more of the essential stuff being put online. We're getting to a point where it's no longer a question of 
you know, the online alternative is a nice alternative, but you can still do stuff in person. We're getting to that point now where everything is being pushed online. So it was only a few years ago where, for example, we had one person come to get some support at our library to apply to become a volunteer at a charity, but they could only volunteer if they had an email address. So there are challenges there where, you know, you want to do basic things, but you can't because you don't have either the access or you don't have the confidence to do it. So digital inclusion talks about how can we make sure everybody has that opportunity. I guess, you know, right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and it's really shone a light on this whole issue because, you know, when you know, when businesses shut down, they expected that their people could work from home. You know, there's an assumption there about what they have at home to actually participate. Same with schools, when they shut down, they assumed that people could do work at home and access the apps or, the, or assume that the parents had the confidence to use the app um, to access their school's learning. Same with health now. So uh, with telehealth, doctors are trying to get people to use video conferencing to to assess their needs so they don't have to come into uh, the clinic. So there's all of these things that are out there for people to benefit from, but we need to make sure that everyone can. So that's, I guess, in a nutshell, digital inclusion. Mm. And so why is that, why are you so passionate about that? I mean, you've started to talking about that, yeah. but just maybe summarise, you know, the importance of bringing everyone into that. Yeah, right. So I guess part of it is we need everyone to be able to access this if we're all going to move forward together on it. I think there's also a danger for us to want to push forward and leave people behind. So we talk about digital inclusion and also the digital divide. So if you think about, I guess, you know, if there was a valley and there was two sort of hills on either side, one is how close are those hills? So the actual gap might be narrowing. So, you know, it is easier for people these days to get access to technology, but it's getting deeper. So what that means is the longer people stay in that valley, the harder it is for them to get out. So, you know, the farther they um, get left behind. So that's a real challenge for us. And, you know, when it, be, when it comes to essential services, if we are going to push those online, we need to make sure that those people don't get left behind. Yeah, there's a lot of work with people, for example, who are homeless. And it's really interesting to see the public perception of that. You know, it's like, why does someone who, you know, doesn't have housing, why would they spend money on a mobile phone? So, well, the answer is because that mobile phone is their lifeblood. So that gives them access to all the services they need. It gives them access to communication. It gives them access to a lot of things. So, you know, understanding that technology is becoming really, really important for everybody now. Mm, including those vulnerable people. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah. And so then... As you know, you've mentioned some of the work here, but briefly. So, what are some of those key things that help bridge that gap? You know, or bring you know, make sure people don't fall too far down. Yeah, okay. down the divide. Yeah, all right. So there was a um, there was a, a piece of research done which developed into this, into this thing called the Australian Digital Inclusion Index, and what that looked at was you know, as a country, how are we going in this space? And they looked at three key areas. Um, one was access if i wanted to go online is the nbn available near me or can, you know what's the mobile broadband coverage like so looking at that the next piece of the puzzle was affordability uh so you know how much of my disposable income should i be spending on internet access so i can do all the essential stuff and those two pieces are challenging for an individual to have impact in but there are some great organizations like the australian digital inclusion alliance and Australian Communications 
ACAN, Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, and they're really good at lobbying government and businesses in terms of improving those things. The third piece of the puzzle for this index was digital ability. And this was the really interesting part because they looked at people's confidence in using the technology. So a lot of the time when we talked about digital literacy and digital, the digital divide, digital inclusion, there was a lot of assumption that it was just people who were vulnerable or, you know, had didn't have those skills that were being excluded. But the reality is that when we look at digital ability, it's quite broad. So I used to run workshops and we'd have people who were in their 30s and you, you know, stereotypically you think, oh, these people should be digitally savvy. But they were very good on their phones. But as soon as you put them in front of a keyboard and a mouse, you know, they weren't sure how to navigate an Excel spreadsheet or they weren't sure how to navigate Windows. And so the the picture became a lot more complex when it came to digital ability. So it really came down to, you know, what does that person want to do with technology? Do they have the confidence to do that and the willingness to do it as well? So, um, so you know, when we talk about the digital divide and, and sort of how do we bridge that, it really comes down to an, each individual wanting to take that step and then having all those other pieces of the puzzle put in place. So for example, if you want, if it was somebody who was say wanting to learn how to use their email, there are services and supports put in place for that. So here at the library, we have free access to um, Wi-Fi. We've got public PCs, we run workshops. So that's one piece of the puzzle. So you can come into a library and learn how to do that. But then let's say someone, they're fine with email, but they want to get a job in computer programming or they want to get a job in game design you know what do they need to do to be able to access that so can they afford to go to university can they afford to get the training to do that so again from a library perspective we offer um, services where they can go online um, they can get free training online uh, which is really good to help them take their next step so yeah I guess that's where we're at now is looking at someone's digital ability, looking at their willingness and willing, looking at, you know, can they take that next step in their, I guess, their confidence and their digital journey essentially. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, And you've obviously highlighted there are quite a few elements that yeah. are going to bring this together. If we then swing that around and looking about communications and connections with people, how much should, you know, businesses or organisations be aware of you know, digital ability, yep. you know, how much does that play into how we communicate? Yeah, it's, it's huge. I think, you know, a lot of the time we talk about the individual, the individual needing to do all these things to so they can step up and get to the next stage or do whatever they need to do. But on the other side, like you said, businesses also need to think about, you know, how we, what products are we creating? What services are we creating to make it easy for people to access? So um, if as a business, if you're thinking, all right, do I need to create an app? Do I need to you know what does my website look like? You know, instead of just going for something that might look flashy, the question really should be, is this usable? Is this actually meeting the need of the customer who's coming to use it? Um, are they how easily can they find the information that they want? And you know, if you it makes good business sense anyway. If you can make your service easy for people to use they're going to use it if you make it difficult or you know flashy colors or you know um whatever if you're focusing just purely on the aesthetic 
will that actually meet their needs to to purchase your product or you know take up your service or whatever so yeah as a business you really need to think about that um yeah Mm, you know and if they can't as you say find the information then you know you might have great information on your website but if it's not easy to navigate to or intuitive or makes it you know digitally accessible then you're going to lose that potential opportunity before they even really engaged yeah that's right so design is so important um and being really user focused in that um in that sense yeah so if you've got if you're getting a designer make sure that they understand how to you know understand who your audience is as well because that's going to determine what they're expecting to find on your website or on your app or whatever um or even in your communications so the way that you approach um, one demographic is going to be different how you approach another. So really understanding that's going to be important for you. Mm. And here at the library, you've definitely been, you know, experimenting with digital communications and looking to understand who your audience is and connect with them. You know, for example, the the Friends style video, yeah. you know, that was really popular and, and well received. You know, what is your approach in creating that sort of content? Yeah, okay. So um, I think partly it's what's great is that, um, our social media person here, uh, she's fantastic. And I, I, what I really love about her is that she's actually sits really nicely within the demographic that we're communicating to. So when she's got ideas, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. It might not be something that I would be interested in, but we can create it and um, we'll get some traction. So it, it's fantastic. And the Friends video, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So just, I guess we're looking at, you know, who our demographic is, what are they interested in, um, what's going to resonate with them and create something around that. With our current programs, the the restrictions have been really interesting for us because it's a it's been a chance for us to explore new ways of delivering programs. So we've started doing webinars for our adult programs and they've been really, really good. So all of our adult programs in the past were face-to-face and we do author talks and workshops and we target mainly, you know, our city of Marion residents. But now that we're going online, we're getting people from all across the state, internationally, across Australia, being able to attend these webinars and it's fantastic. The learning curve has been steep both for us and our audience. Being aware of that, what we did, we also put in place some some opportunities for people to get one-on-one support in using Zoom. So if they wanted to attend a webinar, we realized that not everybody knew how to use Zoom. So we had um, some people put in place so they can call up and get some one-on-one support uh, to learn how to use the technology so that they can then participate in the webinars. So that's been really good. And there's been some really cool stories about how we've had people find their way online because now they have this incentive to be online. They have this desire to say, well, we want to be part of this you know, stuff because we can't leave the house. So that's been fantastic. We've also been doing a kids program where you know we saw that early on, a lot of people going into the homeschooling environment, there were some parents saying, oh, you know, I've got kids and all they want to do is play Minecraft all day. Or they, all they want to do is, you know, play computer games. They don't want to learn. And and there were questions around, you know, what apps could we look at for kids to be engaged with and have fun with, but also be educated on? So we created a Facebook live show called Bricks and Bytes, where we look at an app of the week. We look at some Lego and we look at, we invited people who are doing interesting things online to come and do like a little guest spot so that we could say, you know, here's 
Dinosaur University, they do um, some really fun videos on um, on Facebook. And we got the guy to come and do a little presentation for us on our show. We did some Lego. We did an app of the week, which was augmented reality. So, you know, really just listening to what's out there and what people are looking for and trying to, you know, provide a service to do that. In the same way, we looked at the kids program, so the, the babies and the toddlers, and we realized that there was a lot of stuff out there. And very quickly, there were 101 different baby bounces and story times and ABC changed their programming and there was all these all this stuff in that space already. So we felt like we didn't need to be in there. So at the same time, as we listened, it was not just thinking, you know, how can we be in there? It's sort of, you know, we question whether we actually need to be in that space. Do can we do something differently for for those families? So yeah, mm, great examples because really what you're talking there is about both the individual and the organisation's digital, you know, inclusion. Yeah. And, and because you had to evolve and change. I mean, I've heard the word pivot used a lot. Yeah. Personally, I'm not quite sure that it's actually pivot. I yeah. think it's more an evolution because yep. you're still delivering a similar range of service. You're just looking at how to deliver it differently Um, but that requires the 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 organization to go through that digital gap and step up and change because you know we have talked about and you used that example previously as well about people working from home and things like that organizations and, and that you know the business service delivery world has been talking about some of these things using zoom more or working from home and things but there hasn't been this impetus to say, well, we kind of have to now. And that was interesting how people managed to do what has been talked about for such a long time because yeah. there wasn't really a choice. Yeah, and, and you're right. So I used to work in IT consultancy for not-for-profit organisations and we'd, we'd talk about all the wonders of, you know, online collaboration tools and, you know, here's all this great stuff you can do with different types of software. And there was unless there was an appetite within that organization from a majority of people or from the leadership, it just, that fantastic technology just never got used. And now all of a sudden, like overnight, people are like, oh, let's talk about Zoom. Let's talk about Microsoft Teams. Let's look at all this stuff. And it was easy to say, well, then, oh, here it is. It's it's all there for you. It's just a learning curve now for all your staff to quickly learn how to use this. And like you said, you know, as an organization and from a library we did have to learn really quickly and it's not like our first session was perfect. I think every single time we ran a webinar or ran one of these Facebook live shows, we learned something new or we made a mistake somewhere. It's like, oh, well, that's not going to work or that's failed. So let's improve really quickly. And the team has been so good in being flexible. And I think for us, at Marion, we've um, really tried to push this idea of innovation through the whole organization so that, you know, when this hit, it's almost like we said, you know, all this stuff that we've been talking about in terms of being agile and pivoting and, you know, thinking differently, this really forced us to do all of that really, really quickly. Um, And the team's been really good at managing that i think you know it's almost every week something's new in terms of restrictions being lifted or you know being able to do something new or not being able to do something um and to be honest you know some of us are feeling pretty you know fatigued like there's yeah. this idea of like pivot it's fatigue. Yeah. it's like oh gosh all right so what's the next thing that we can or can't do but i think the team's been really good at supporting each other and really getting behind it and just being open to the idea that you know we are trying to serve the community and we do have you know we're not tied we're not tied to our program as such. What we're tied to is, you know, 
We know that the audience is there. We know that there's a need. So what are we doing to meet that need, whether that's online, whether it's in person or whatever. Um, and when we focus on the need and the, and the individual, we're not so worried about, oh, well, we can't have face-to-face -face things. We just find a better way to do what we want to do. So. And I like how frequently you've really talked about the importance of understanding your audience, focusing on the needs, and it's really about the outcomes and the value of those outcomes that you're delivering, yep. not just delivering for the sake of delivering, you know. So it's, you know, that, that seems like such an important part of what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a message that we tell the team is that what, we, what we're looking for is the outcomes and we don't want to be in a space, we, want, we don't want to be doing things just because somebody else is doing it or just because it's the way we've always done it. I think it's really important, especially now where it's, you know, for want of a better word, you know, there's such a big disruption in what we can do. We need to be open to, yeah, those outcomes, not just, not just delivering stuff. Mm, well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Ben. So if I can bring it together with your be the drop tip. So that's how we can navigate all these spaces and communicate to motivate and inspire. What would your tip be? Yeah, I think it comes to it does come down to what we're just talking about. It's about, you know, focusing on either your client or your customer and trying to work out what is the outcome that you want for them or what is the problem that you're trying to solve for them and then creating your story, creating your service, creating communication around that. I think that's really, really important. So it starts with your customer and yep. then work it from there. That's it. Exactly right. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Ben. No worries. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.